Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome in to a WTF Wednesday here on Critical Thinking. Andrew Coppins alongside Pat Oni for the next 45 minutes or so here uh, on your podcasting platform of choice, or of course, Rumble, where you can watch the show every single Monday through Friday. That's right, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And while you're there, you can click the join button or click the link that is right above the description of the video. Become a critical thinker alongside of us. $2 a month, $20 a year, your choice uh, as to how you would like to support the show. But you can become a critical thinker for free for a month by clicking those links. Going to the subscribe area and entering the promo code New Era. New Era. So if you've got questions, concerns, comments, whatever, you can always leave a rating and a review. Um, or you could leave it in the comment section of the Rumble page. We always like to engage with you there. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to get to on this WTF Wednesday. So we're just gonna drill down because yesterday we we were so jam-packed that we couldn't get into um, points or point number seven of the Rescue America package or plan from Rick Scott, the junior senator from the great state of Florida. So we're going to do that. We're going to get into number seven and point number eight today because we're trying to fly through the rest of this so that uh, we can get into the WTF Wednesday because we have a ton of stuff to get into there. Um, featuring at least two of our three favorite um, individuals in government today. But before we do that, Pat, how are things in the uh, the only household? Uh, I mean, what's left of my household still um, is fine. Just uh, you know, trying to trying to get things repaired. Living the dream. You know, 
from from the flood. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you you. That that's one way of putting it. Okay. Well, mm. it's a good thing it's a WTF Wednesday because we, we can crush your dreams then. You know, I think I think that's appropriate for today. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, point number seven for Rick Scott is fair fraud free elections. Again, say that three times fast. Fair fraud free elections. Fair fraud free elections. <clears throat> he continues to say today's Democrat Party is trying to rig elections and pack the courts because they have given up on democracy. Um, so I want to take this part real fast. 90% of the way right here. They've not given up on democracy, Pat. They haven't given up on it. Uh, can they not give up on something if they never believed in it? So I wouldn't say that they don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. What I do believe is that they like to use it as a tool to one day we wake up and what's a democracy anymore? We have talked uh, about this ad nauseum, right? How have mm-hmm. most dictators become dictators? They've used the levers of power of government and done it legally until they take control, until they know that they've got the power, and then they just grab it, the rest of it. There's there's an old old political science theory out there. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but typically, if, if you look at like political systems over time, they normally start in some sort of like feudal system, mm-hmm. then they evolve into a democracy, then they evolve into socialism, to communism, and then to a communistic utopia. Mm-hmm. So that's the theory anyway. And so are we not seeing that theory play out right in front of our eyes right now? They use the levers of democracy to advance themselves into socialism. And I wouldn't say that we are socialist yet. I believe that's the route they want us going down. Um, And by they, I mean the the people in Mm. positions of power, right? Right. But uh, Rick Scott continues, they don't believe that they can win based on their ideas. So they want to game the system and legalize voter fraud to stay in power. We've already seen this. This is how 2020's election happened. How in the hell did did a man who can't get up and speak more than five minutes of coherent sentences without a teleprompter become president of the United States? It had nothing to do with the person that was on the ballot. Nothing. It had everything to do with advancing a goal and an agenda. And he is a useful tool for that agenda. I, I would also argue that this is this is this election was uh, a prime example of what we would call hate voting. Sure, I agree. In true Orwellian fashion, Democrats refer to their election rigging plans as voting rights, and we have talked about the 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 voting rights, the new uh, voting rights act, and uh, is it HB one House Bill one um, that had gone yeah. through. Um, mm-hmm. that sits in the Senate that won't go anywhere in the Senate because it's absolutely insane. Thank God for Joe Manchin and uh, Kristen Cinema. Cinema, yeah. Um, we have talked about this time and again. They're what they're attempting to do is put in place a system that allows the game to be rigged. 
they don't have to any longer do the old Chicago find the dead people to vote trick, right? They don't have to do that. When almost anybody can vote on anything at any point in time. He continues to say that we won't allow the radical left to destroy our democracy by institutionalizing dishonesty and fraud. And that's exactly what has been going on here. We talked about the difference between mail-in and mail-out balloting, right? Mail-in balloting is somebody who actually physically has to, to, to do an act to trigger a ballot to go to them. A mail-out ballot system, you have no way to trace, track, or put provenance onto that ballot. You have no way of doing it. <clears throat> so, according to, to Rick Scott's plan, here's what he would like to see. We will fight for maximum voter participation in 0% voter fraud. Great goal. You're never going to get to 0%. You're never going to prevent all fraud. But we right. should be maximizing our ability to do that. Again, as somebody who literally built a fraud prevention team from the ground up, okay, I know you can't prevent all fraud. But I also know that when you see massive amounts of it, or more importantly, systems in place that allow for it to happen, you fix the systems that allow for it to happen. He continues to say that voter ID requiring a vote a voter to validate their identity must be the law. I think we can all get behind that. As he points out, Democrat support requiring ID to get a COVID test. You have to do that uh, to get a vaccination card, or in some cases to have entered a restaurant, right? During COVID, if you didn't if you wanted to enter a restaurant in New York City or here in Chicago, give me your ID and your vaccination card. What? Mm-mm. All arguments against voter ID are in favor of fraud. And I think this is the part that people don't understand. And this is the thing that we have to articulate from a libertarian or a, a MAGA forever or a straight up old school conservative route. This is exactly what we have to be saying on every news station, on every interview, all the time. All arguments against voter ID are in favor of fraud. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Because you only if you point to, well, you know, XYZ or this or that. Okay, then why did you do that to somebody during COVID? Is that not racist? Is that not socioeconomically um, bigoted is that not this or that or whatever, right? You paint them into that corner. Make them defend why they would support fraud. He continues to say that ballot harvesting, which the Democrats favor, uh, in which allows political operatives and activists to collect and clone ballots from voters must be banned. And I can't emphasize this enough because this is what we were talking about with Mark Zuckerberg and the funding of these um, election systems in states like Wisconsin and Arizona and elsewhere, right? It, it allowed organizations to be able to ballot harvest, to go out and seek out people to vote instead of p- people voting on their own fruition and their own free will. There's no way to know whether or not these ballots are real, whether or not they're honest, whether there's nothing. You would have to have somebody from the election commission 
going around with these groups that are ballot harvesting in order to certify these ballots. Now, he continues to say that ballots can only be submitted to a polling location by a voter or the post office. No ballots that show up after election day will be counted ever. And now, hear me out on this, Pat. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you can't get your ballot into the post office by election day, right, if you can't figure out how to mail in your ballot, that's a you problem. That's not right. our problem. Well, people forget all the time. Yeah, exactly. But you have had weeks, in some cases months, to have handed that ballot back in. We have given you every opportunity to exercise your right to vote. It ends on election day. If the ballot is not in, it doesn't count. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Period. Amen. Now, he continues to say many Democrats now advocate allowing non-citizens to vote in American elections. New York City now does this. This is too insane for words and must be stopped. I agree, and here's why. Yeah. I understand the argument of local elections, right? I understand the but these people who are here and are affected by the decisions that get made. I understand the the concept that they're attempting to to come up with, right? I understand it. But they have no right to vote in our federal election system. None. And once you allow them into your voter rolls for only local elections, you have opened up Pandora's box to allow them to vote in every election. How do you stop it? You can't. Here, here's here's the way you take care of that. It's called become a U.S. citizen and then register to vote. Right. I mean, it's that, that simple. If you care enough to vote in an election, do it the right way. Because, do it the right way. Now, the Democrats favor using their taxpayer money to finance political campaigns. No serious person would ever favor this. It must never happen. Um, I, I actually... I actually kind of agree with this. Okay. Especially because after COVID and after all of our taxpayer money went to like um, propaganda campaigns about COVID and all that sort of fun stuff. I don't like this either. If, if you want to um, run a campaign and you want to run ads and you want to do whatever, you should have the funds to do so. Whether that's from donors or mm -hmm. fundraisers or whatever. You know, as long as you've legally gotten the money, that's fine. But I don't want it coming from my tax dollars. Okay. So the flip side of this argument is if you look at places like the UK or France, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. where all private money is out of the system, in which every so libertarian, Democrat, um, libertarian, Democrat, Republican, Green Party let's say, right? Or Democrat Socialists of America, right? They're mm -hmm. all getting equal funding from the government. Meaning, meaning, there's no private money that, like, there's no PACs, there's no none of that. It, you take away all of it, mm -hmm. and everybody is on an even playing field when it comes to money. Right, so I, I understand that argument, I do. 
and, and it's and here's the the only difference that I would add in that you mm-hmm. and I should be able to donate um up to a certain amount of money of our own mm-hmm. fruition to the party to help the party fund their slate of candidates right across the country not to a particular politician no why um here's why because what we have to realize here is that you can't just pick and choose who you fund, okay? Um, and what do I mean by that? If I'm looking at this from the perspective of how do you get to a free and fair election, right now we don't have that. We have the Republicans and the Democrats rigging the election system for their own personal benefit, okay? You don't get equal airtime if you're a libertarian. You don't get equal airtime if you're a Green Party or DSA or, or whatever. You don't. You don't have equal access. And even in the spheres that you're supposed to have equal access, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the, the the Federal Debate Commission is set up by Republicans and Democrats to rig the system so that Republicans and Democrats get on the stage and that's all you see. If you were to see a Libertarian candidate on the stage or a Green Party or a DSA, right, or whomever, would you be more inclined or less inclined to support those candidates over Republican and Democrat? The answer is more. Even if it's an, a, a very minute opportunity for that to happen. The reality so, is that – so what, you, what you're trying to accomplish with free and fair elections here is getting private money out of the system, right? So when Mitch McConnell does not have the campaign coffer to be able to just crush every single person that comes across his way, right? Or a Kevin McCarthy or a Nancy – how does Nancy Pelosi, one of the worst human beings – in our government, one of the most insane, batshit crazy individuals in our government. How does she continue to be elected? It's because she has people funding her campaign directly in the tunes of millions and millions of dollars every election cycle. So so I, I have a question here then. If 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 you're gonna level the playing field, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're all we're all parties and and people running for office have you know the same equal amount of money okay i'm not saying equal amounts what i am saying is that so for instance let's say the republicans get 50 percent. okay then they get 50 percent of the money democrats got 40 percent of the vote they get 40 percent of the money you know what i mean like you could do a proportionality thing i don't know how you set it up but all i'm saying is that there's a pool of money that comes from because right now we do fund elections, right? And we're so funding I, I rigged guess, elections. I guess what I'm asking you is, though, is is you you had mentioned that you know, like you or I as as, as citizens can donate to a certain amount up to a particular party, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why would I donate to a particular party if I'm disenfranchised with just party politics? I what don't disagree I with you, but my but. Pat, how mm-hmm. many times have we seen dark money? How many times have we seen private people literally fund Nancy Pelosi, literally fund True. horrible human beings to into the government, whether that's first-time people or second-time people or third-time people? We have seen people – this is how we got to our oligarchy. But but then how – I mean, how often – The answer isn't – this. Is, so for me, the answer here when it comes to public elections is not privatization mm-hmm. of the election. I'm not saying let's make it private. I'm just saying I don't like the idea of my money going to funding someone's campaign. 
Um, because frankly, I don't donate to any campaigns anymore. Right. I, that's I fine. Actually, I don't know if I ever have. Right. And that's fine. That's your choice, right? Right. But how many times have we talked about dark money? How many times have we talked about George Soros funding Tons. the campaign? How Tons. many times have we talked about that? Taking the money out of it. Everybody mm. is on, on the same playing field. You don't get to pick and choose as a private citizen who you get to puppetize anymore. So, so, I, so I'm like, do do you do all this funding through taxpayer money then? So I don't necessarily think you have to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So what I think is that um, we have to allow for equal access to airtime, to um, to you know commercial time, right? So you can say, hey, for you know. Um, uh, during every hour during campaign cycle, right? And if you look at the UK as the example, this is the right example of how to do this. Here's the ironic part. If you're a libertarian, you should, shouldn't should be supporting this because what you're supporting is whoever has the most amount of money gets the most amount of influence. Which is wrong. I, and I, I agree with that point. A and... If you can't see that money is the issue in our election system today, I, I I don't because it goes to corruption at every level. Whether that is right, you know, funding the actual person who's on the ballot to funding the people who are rigging the ballot elected system to um, all the PACs and all that sort of stuff. Um, I I don't know the right answer. I think the right answer is leaning more towards equal access. And I think if we are talking about taxpayer money, equal access to the electorate is the answer. I, I, it doesn't mean that it has to be equal outcomes, but access is what is the problem. Now, we'll have to con save that for another day and another time, because I think we could flush out this uh, or you know, flush out this debate um, throughout an entire episode. But anyway. He continues to say that uh, counting of ballots must be done in full public view expeditiously and continue without pause until all votes have been tabulated. Thank you. Amen. Welcome to what I've been saying for, what, since uh, August of 2020. Yeah. Rick Scott continues saying there must be no same-day registration as this does not allow election officials to verify the validity and accuracy of voter information. Yeah, I, I totally back that up. I don't. Here's why. You can run a provisional ballot. And then, so oh, you can okay. allow that individual to, so you, you have ballot A, mm -hmm. and then a stack of provisional ballots. And one person's job is to verify the validity of that information. And it could be as simple as you have a scanner, right? Mm -hmm. That scans the ID. If you fake the ID, good luck, right? Congratulations, you gamed the system. But if that ID is valid, then that provisional ballot becomes a real ballot. So you can have them vote. You can have them register. You can do all of those things. Equally, you could just have a scanner there when they go to, to register, right? Right. Oh, you are who you say you are. Perfect. Thank you. Great. This ID is valid. Boom. There, there are systems in place that would allow for this to happen in seconds. You know, for instance, uh, you have you ever been to uh, a bar where they're scanning IDs at the door? 
Uh, I, I personally have not known. So they're, do, they're doing two things. One, they're collecting your information should anything happen. And number mm. two, they're validating whether or not you're 21 or not. Right. Boom. It, it, it is very simple. If a bar can do it, we can do it for elections. It's not that hard. I, I, don't, I disagree with this one. But anyway, uh, Scott continues, no one should be automatically registered without their consent or knowledge. Yes. Mm-hmm. You should have a choice as to whether or not you want to participate in the system. Correct. Um, he continues to say on this point, though, as this opens the way for multiple registrations by the same individual and registration of ineligible voters. Bingo. Bravo. You get the point. Unmanned or unmonitored ballot boxes in public areas to collect unlimited ballots must be prohibited. Absolutely. Ballot drop boxes should never, ever, ever be something that's allowed. No American citizen can be denied their sacred right to vote or be given special voting privileges based on race, religion, zip code, or ethnic origins. Agree. I also think there should be another point in here that the that Rick Scott is missing. If you are somebody who is convicted of a felony right now, you lose your voting rights. Until that debt to society has been repaid, absolutely. Yep. But once that debt has been repaid, once you've done your time, once your parole is over, whatever happens to all that, you get your rights back. Right. We don't advocate for that. Why? They're not equal citizens. They don't have equal rights. Are we or are we not a society based on... um, Second chances. So overall, overall, I will say this about this, Pat. And then I'll get your thoughts overall. Overall, I like this. He gets the the main points. We can quibble over how to do it. But he gets the the main structure absolutely 100% on point. He gets how fraud is happening, how to combat it, how to make these things free and fair, or at least as free and fair as humanly possible. Human error can happen. Fraud can happen, but how do you minimize and mitigate it? I think he gets it. Well, I, I think he gets it too. I, I agreed with the vast majority of this, aside from maybe a couple of points. But uh, you know, again, you can quibble over all of that all day long. But I think I think the structure is definitely solid on that one, and that's something that we should be talking about, and something that we really should really should have adopted many many years ago. All right, so let's continue on to point number eight in the 11-point Rescue America plan. Again, this is from Florida's junior senator, Rick Scott, former governor of the state of Florida, by the way, correct? Yes. All right, and point number eight is family. The nuclear family is crucial to civilization. It is God's design for humanity, and it must be protected and celebrated. To say otherwise is to deny science. The fanatical left seeks to devalue and redefine the traditional family as they undermine parents in attempt to replace them with government programs. We will not allow socialism to place the needs of the state ahead of the family. And this is something that we've been talking about since we've been a daily show, uh, on and off, really. And this is their plan. This is BLM. It is literally, it was literally on their website that they are against the nuclear family because it doesn't represent what all families are. And here's what I will say to, because my values, right? Mm. A man and a woman, that's that's God's design, right? And for those who are, you know, gay or lesbian or whatever, 
Okay. Here's what I will say to you. Can you love a child? Absolutely. You as an individual could certainly love a child. But you have nowhere near the same ability to affect a child as a biological bond can. Now, that's, I want to be careful of this because I understand the bond of adoptive families. I do. I've seen it in my own life. I understand the bond of people who can't have children who have gone through surrogacy or IVF or however they've done it. I understand the love and the bond there. But biologically speaking, a mother and a father have a bond that is different. And most importantly, what we have seen from your beloved sociological uh, societies, right, and all the studies of sociology is that a mother and a father in the household, and Ben Shapiro is very famous for this, there are three things that can get you to success in adult life. Graduate high school, get married, and don't have kids before you're married. You will be a success. But he continues to also tell us about the nuclear family. And the reality for me is this. Why do we see so many issues in our society today with young students and young kids, I should say? A lot of it is, especially for young men, a lack of a male role model in the home, a lack of somebody who can show them the sociological ways of being a man, right? And they replace that with emotional things like gangs or guns and drugs and all sorts of craziness in our society today. They're replacing that missing piece of the puzzle. And the reality is whether you are a gay or a lesbian couple, can you model that behavior? Can you model that, that need, that, that physiological need, that emotional need? I don't know. That's not to say that it doesn't happen in single family homes or single single parent homes, right? That that the parent can't model good behavior and and good morals and things like that. But I'm going to use science, your science, to tell you that's what science tells us. You know, I I want to be careful because everybody there's a difference between being able to love and nurture a child. And what I am talking about, you can certainly love and nurture a child, but you will never be able to replace the relationship or the importance of a man and a woman raising a child. You'll never be able to do it. That, that's just me speaking. I'm not going to speak on behalf of Pat when it comes to that. But what do you say about that uh, initial section here? You and I are very much aligned on that. Um, there, I, I've actually talked about this. And in fact, I actually talked about this about a month or two ago in my own show. <clears throat> I talked about the nuclear family and the importance of it. And I dissected an article from The Atlantic over it. But um, this, is, this is something that is very important to society. 
whether you like it or not. Um, there is certain things that a man brings to the table in being a dad. There are certain things that a woman brings to the table in being a mom. It's not that to some level, a gay or lesbian couple can bring some of those things to the table, but it's not the overall well-rounded package that that child deserves. All right. Um, So so. I think we're on the same page there. Let's go through the plan as he sees it. No federal program or tax laws will reward people for being unmarried or discriminate against marriage. A freaking man. I am so sick of the marriage tax penalty, Pat. So sick of it. Why are we penalizing people for doing, doing the things that, you're you're penalizing people for doing the right thing, right? For doing the the natural thing. You're penalizing that. Anyway, even though many single moms heroically do the job of raising a family, as my mom often had to, children need and deserve both parents and government should not be shy about saying so. And so this is something that I would find interesting in a libertarian argument is well libert uh, a comprehensive libertarian right to to call back to the afterthought of yesterday by the way go to criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe enter that promo code new era if you haven't already done so and become uh, a critical thinker you can see the afterthought um but we had we had d- talked about the the divergence in libertarianism comprehensive um or you know other things here so long story short um, I believe that government's role in sociology or in per- – is there a government role in promotion of certain values and systems? I would argue advocating for drug use or, or not drug use or alcohol use or not alcohol use or um, your personal choices – The government has no place in. However, I think at least taking a position in advocating that uh, advocating for these types of things, at least not being hostile to them, is a position the government should be taking. Neutrality could be a good position, but it's not neutral today. Government is at war with the nuclear family. It really is. But I think that would be an interesting libertarian debate. I really do. Anyway, families are crucial in raising young men and women of character and responsible members of society. The The best form of governing our society is not government, it is the family. Perfect. Get the government out of it. And this goes back to school, this goes back to all the things that we've been talking about, right? That this concept that Teachers know what's best for your child more than a parent does. That teachers are the moral compass of children today. No, 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 no. <clears throat> he continues to say that abortions are a tragedy. We must adopt, uh, must make adoption accessible and affordable. Absolutely agree with this. The and I'm sure that you, you know you've you've talked about your experience uh, through some of this, right? It is insanely expensive to go through an adoption process. I don't understand why it's, you know, for, for families that, that want children, but can't have children. 
I don't understand why it's more expensive for them to be able to to go through the adoption process than it is the abortion process. That is absolute bull crap, and that needs to be fixed. Yep. Any notes that we uh, currently make it very expensive for pers- uh, prospective parents to adopt, even though many kids desperately need families. This is insane, and we will change it. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't also put guideposts in, right? It doesn't mean that you don't vet the people, uh, you know, to try to make sure that they're going to a home that would have a loving environment. Um, He also continues to say that we will help low-income single women who are considering abortion choose life instead by paying all costs associated with carrying the child to term and placing the child for adoption. Don't agree with this one, but uh, we'll we'll, uh, let that be for right now. We will stop Democrat Party efforts to discriminate against faith-based adoption agencies. We will do just the opposite. Most faith-based groups provide far superior service than government agencies do. We will utilize and empower them. But you also have to be a watchdog over them. There are some faith-based groups that are really bad. Right. That don't do the right thing. So you have to watch. But anyway, school administrators and teachers will work for the parents. Parents, not government, will choose which schools uh, their kids attend. Amen. Amen. We will need. Yeah. We will end the Biden administration policy of using the FBI to intimidate parents who speak up at school board meetings. Amen. Yep. Um, the last big bullet point is that we must defend the American family from societal elements that erode it. He, he goes further to say that we must enforce existing federal obscenity laws. Our society has almost given up on demanding decency. We must aim higher. I, I I would have to look and see what those federal laws are before I would know if I support this or not. But my libertarian yeah. leanings say I I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know enough about this one to comment. He continues to say that we must protect our children from the explosion of pornography and cyber predators. The FCC must hold online platforms and broadband providers accountable for not adequately providing tools for parents to keep this trash out of their homes. I will say this. This is one. This is the worst part of the sex trafficking and, and the things that are going on uh, down on the southern border. If you pay attention to this, and um, it's not just there. We see child grooming happening on Fortnite. We see it happening all over gaming and, and all uh, parts of a connected life, right? Instagram is right. A, a groomer's paradise, unfortunately. Um, that's why if I ever had kids, my kids are not having... Um, are not allowed, would not be allowed on social media until they're the age of 18. Why? It's very simple. Sure, your friends might do this, but you're an adult at 18 in my view. So you can make your adult decisions, but up until that point in time, my job is to protect you. And until that point in time, I don't trust any of these people. I've seen it in my own life, right? How many times do we get random DMs, right? And random people trying trying to do all sorts yeah. of crazy crap. Mm-hmm. I, I, no, I'm not exposing my child to that. Nope. I'm going to let them know there's a reason why I'm not allowing this. And I'm going to educate them on the dangers of social media, on the dangers of, of these things. And then finally, he says that we're going to make it impossible for deadbeat dads to avoid paying child support. Beginning with paternity, they will either pay up or go to jail with no other options. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's, I, I think it's that simple. Absolutely, I do too. 
So I think overall, these are two really good ones. Um, I think these are the two that we would probably support the most so far. So far, yeah. So I, I absolutely agree. If we if we can focus on the family, if we can focus on you know ending the rigging of elections, I think our society can start to heal itself. I really do. I think those are part and parcel of kind of the 10 steps, right, that, that we've talked about um, on this program in the past. I, but, I would dare argue that that starting with the family is where you start this 11-point plan. You don't start anywhere else. You start right here. Right. And, and I, would, um, I would emphasize, you know, we talk about getting used to different. The, this is Rick Scott thinking differently, right? This is Rick Scott saying, oh, no, I'm not going to beat around the edges like the GOP has for decades, right? No, I'm flat out coming out and I'm saying it. I'm going to stand up for the family. So I appreciate that. I really do. But, Pat, um, it is time for us to play the B or not the B because we've got a lot to get into for WTF Wednesday. So are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay, lay that headline on me, please. All righty then. Finally, Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki announced their engagement. Finally, <laughs> Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki announced their engagement. Is this the B or not the B? Um, do we have any updates, by the way, on on the uh, funnily account for American Pride Roasters? Um, I, I would be happy to provide those for you. Can you give me one second to get that up? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're at $15,470. So we have we have gone over the $15,000 mark. Could we get to $20,000 here? We got 43 days left in the Fundly Um I, I I will say this, folks, if you are going to put a fundraiser out there, for the love of God, do not make it a 60-day fundraiser. <laughs> and, and here's why. Because the psychology of fundraising is the it, it is really simple. People will donate at the very beginning and at the very end and in the middle, good freaking luck. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you'd made it a 14-day fundraiser instead of 43 days or 50 or 60 or 30 days, right? Why would you mm. do 14? Why is 14 the right thing to do? Uh, I'm going to give you some friendly advice. The first five days or the first three days, I should say, are usually the first, uh, the big days, right? You're going to get 20, the first 24 hours, you're going to get a flood and you'll get uh, some more people that come from the people who flooded you early on, okay? But then you hit them on the backside. The final three days. Oh, crap. I only have three days. I've been meaning to donate and I forgot to do that, right? But right. It, over the course of 60 days, it's out of sight, out of mind. You could argue seven days is the right because it's three, three, and then there's the day in the middle. I would argue 14 days. Um, psychology and uh, data analysis tell me that. That 14 days is the sweet spot for these fundings because you're hitting people at the various times that they would get uh, paid. That's the other part of this process. People get paid every couple of weeks or twice a month. So if you started this in the middle of the month, your 14 days likely hits at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Or you started at the beginning, you've hit people in their ability to, to stretch a budget or change something up in their, in their life. So please, for the love of God, do, don't do this. Just don't make it 60 days. Make it a 14-day thing not only that but um it, you know if you're doing this type of a fundraiser people probably need the money now 
not tomorrow, not 60 days from now. But I appreciate the uh, the mon- the money that has been raised. Continue to support if you can, when you can. Maybe double donate. You know, donate ten dollars every paycheck or whatever throughout all of this. Do what you can. You know, I've donated um, more than once uh, to this. So you know, consider what you can, uh, supporting what you can if you can. Uh, again, uh, that's funly. It's pinned to the top of my Twitter page at the Coppin Show. He's at the Pat Oni Show, by the way. But um, I don't need the headline one more time. This is totally the Babylon Bee. And by the way, um, how does Jimmy Saki feel about uh, his big sister getting engaged while also married to a different dude? Well, he he texted me this morning and said that uh, he absolutely supports this. Um, that, uh, question that- is Jimmy Saki a Mormon? Uh, no, Jimmy. Jimmy is not, but mm. he supports this in the fact that this is probably the most sane thing that his sister, his older sister, has ever said and done in the last oh, give or take twenty years. Because uh, isn't is this or is this not polygamy, Pat? Mm. Are you at? Are, is Jimmy Saki advocating for polygamy? No, no. He's he's also hoping for a divorce from her initial husband. Oh, so Peter Ducey's a homewrecker. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is totally the Babylon Bee, right? Yeah, this is the Babylon Bee. After over a year of courtship, Fox News correspondent Peter Ducey and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki have announced that they are finally tying the knot. Um, On a personal note, I would like to announce that I will soon be stepping down to marry Peter Ducey, said Psaki at the end of a recent press conference. I believe, and the president agrees, that this is the best course of action for me at this point in time. Ducey then jumped up from his seat in the press pool and then did a fist bump or fist pump before aggressively questioning the press secretary. Excuse me, he said. Don't you think that this, it's a little hypocritical and to host a lavish wedding ceremony to me in D.C. when so many people are struggling? And don't you think it's a conflict of interest to marry someone in the press? No further question, said Saki with a twinkle in her eye and a shy smile before exiting the stage. Ugh, finally said CNN correspondent Caitlin Collins, the cackling, the, the crackling tension whenever those two were in the room together was overpowering. It makes it really hard for the rest of us to do our jobs when two are when those two are bickering so adorably and making eyes at each other <laughs> constantly. Get a room, you two. Also, congratulations. Ducey and Saki will host a lavish wedding in the nation's capital where, where all VIPs on the left and right are exp- are 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 left and the right, except Lone, Lauren Brobert will be invited to attend. Aye, aye, aye. And on that note you know how i was on one yesterday pat uh i was a little yeah. ornery a little uh i hate the week already oh by the way folks y- you guys only saw maybe a fraction of that on the show yesterday holy crap could i go through our telegram texts and it it, it there were many t- different times in my day I was laughing out loud because uh, Andrew was just on one. <clears throat> Pat, 
Yeah. It's your turn to be on one. We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's most of the product that we've done is, except now what we, we may have added in the last day or so. And some of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me. Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill. All that stuff. Um, so some is Senate oriented, and then we had the family medical leave. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in, if, even if Manchin doesn't like it. So, um, uh, so we are getting some bird and privilege. I think I think most of we're getting privilege scrub. Because privilege drug is deadless to a bill. Birdable, it's important. It's, you have to take it out. But privilege violation can take you out. <laughs> okay. What, so what, I said this off air, Pat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat this on air. Okay? Okay. I speak how to put a bill together a little bit, right? I, I, I get some of the machinations that can happen and... and and the mechanics of how you put a bill together, and more importantly, how a bill gets from one house to the Senate, and how it gets back, and then has to get voted, you know, reconciliation, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Just what in the absolute hell was that? It, uh, is a bird in the bush worth uh, Nancy Pelosi? Is that what she was talking about? You know, I think that's actually the name of this bill that she was talking about. Um, so I, I have a question. You know how about a, a week or so ago we were talking about uh, how Nancy Pelosi supposedly doesn't drink anymore? Are we sure? Well, there's only two explanations. She's all three. She's drunk. She's on meth. Or she has lost her marbles. And it is possible that she's drunk and lost her marbles and on meth. All three of them mm -hmm. are possible together, by the way. So there's really four possibilities. Mm -hmm. It would explain her weird uh, teeth thing, too. Uh, I mean, that was about as bad as Joe Biden giving a speech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Re mm -hmm. Really? You're going to do the whole teeth thing right now? Are you messing with your dentures? I mean, holy crap, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my, I, I hope to God my wife listens to this episode. She absolutely <laughs> hates mouth noises. But anyway, anyway, Pat, um, I, I think you've got more headlines here on the WTF Wednesday. I, I, I do. Um, we're we're going to go here. Um, by nominee, by nominee, I mean the Supreme Court nominee. Kentanji Brown Jackson. Yeah, is that how you say her name? Mm -hmm. Kentanji. Okay. Yep. Uh, Biden nominee serves on board of D.C. school board promoting critical race theory. Now, this story is not about um, what's happening in the past or what has happened in the past. But Correct. I want to combine this with uh, this moment from her um, confirmation hearing yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist.
So why do I play both of those together, Pat? Why, what, what, in your mind, why would I, why are those two things linked? Well, first of all, um, in regards to the, the woman thing here, um, she looks at Marsha Blackburn like she's a complete idiot. Um, and secondly, if you can't define what a woman is, legally speaking, you do not belong on the Supreme Court. Correct. Absolutely correct. And why does that, why would that matter? It matters because, hear me loud and clear, the Supreme Court of the United States is going to, within a year or two, have to define what a woman is. Oh, it's coming to the Supreme Court. That's right, folks. The Supreme Court is now going to have to define what a woman is. So, if you're not a biologist, are you going to seek out a biologist who is going to tell you that definition in which you're going to now put that into your legalese? If you cannot sit in front of the Senate of the United States of America and tell them what a woman is, you do not belong in the court. Furthermore, if you also then can't realize that um, if you're sitting on a school board that advocates for critical race theory. Because that's also coming to the Supreme Court, by the way. That should disqualify you from being able to be on the Supreme Court. If you advocate, if you are on a board that advocates for racist ideology, because that is what critical race theory is. Yes, it is a theory. It is an academic theory, but it is being put into practice in schools all across this country. And it is based on racial segregation. It's based on teaching oppression versus oppressor. And only one race is the oppressor and only one race is oppressed. And oh, by the way, if you're Asian, you're now white. It is racist on its face. It is very simple. If you are a racist and if you can't define what a woman is, you have no place on the United States Supreme Court, let alone what you did or didn't do when it came to child pornography. And let me make this clear, because I talked about this on Twitter the other day. Jack Posobiec pulled a Kavanaugh, if you will, right? Twist the words to mean something that they didn't actually say. Kentonji Brown Jackson as, as, was not advocating for lighter sentences for people who were doing this on the internet instead of through the mail. She, what she was telling the American people is, do your elections better. Because right now, I can only go by the statutes that are in front of us, and the statutes that are in front of us only deal with via mail. Because they were written in the 70s when the internet wasn't a dang thing. So elect people in your state houses that get what the hell the internet is, and they can update the law. This should have been done 20 years ago, as far as I'm concerned. But what she's saying is, the sentencing guidelines, I, I, I can't apply from the mail to online. She's right. She's not advocating for lesser sentencing. She's saying, I, I can't do anything. You have tied my hands. I can't go above and beyond. And she is right, by the way. The amount of material that uh, can be disseminated via the internet is astronomical compared to what you can get through the mail. 
So how do I how do I sentence that versus the statute and the sentencing guidelines that are in the statute today? Change the statute and the sentencing guidelines. It's that simple. You solve the problem. She can only do what is given to her. And in fact, if you are a constitutional conservative, right? If you are a constitutionalist when it comes to the Supreme Court, that's your answer. That is always your answer. I'm constricted by the laws and the Constitution of the United States of America. And it's on you to do your job. I'm doing mine. Maybe that's the way she should have put it. But she was speaking legalese. Anyway, Pat, now that I'm off of my soapbox here, but oh my God, she is disqualified beyond belief in my view. And it has nothing to do with her liberal bent. It has everything to do with if you teach racism, if you believe and advocate for teaching that, you don't belong on the court, period. You never should. You never. That is a hard and fast litmus test for anybody on any level. I, I will also never understand how a person cannot define what a woman is when they are themselves indeed a woman. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Yep. That being said, do you want more WTF? Let's do one more. One more. Okay. Well, we're going to go. We're going to go with this one. Hillary Clinton urges people to get vaccinated and boosted while announcing that she has tested positive for COVID-19. This is my favorite leftist uh, statement of all time. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by this? Because it is every leftist that will make this statement when they get it, right? So Jen Psaki had COVID in October of last year, right? And now has it again. In between there, did she or did she not get a booster? I believe so. She also had natural immunity. And oh, by the way, just because you test positive doesn't mean you're symptomatic. This is the thing that isn't the most insane part of all of this. Our testing regimen is insane. Hey, do you have symptoms? No. Okay, then don't test. We could you could test positive for COVID all day all, every day. I mean, most people walking around would test positive. Most people because of how we calibrate these tests. Oh, and speaking of uh, COVID, Pat, mm -hmm. uh, did you see the headline that tells us that uh, the CDC um, <clears throat> overestimated, overestimated the amount of deaths by just 70,000? Uh, that, that's actually incorrect. It's 72,000. That yeah, that's just the number that they're letting us know about. And this goes back to my concept of garbage data in, garbage data out. We have never been able to, We. it's very simple. We should have been stratifying the data from the very get-go. It's really, really simple. This is a death with COVID. This is a death from COVID. What are those defined terms? You put them into those two buckets. We can study it further, right? That person who uh, went in with... Uh, a leg issue, right? Who or gangrene or whatever, right? A person who got hit by a bus. You tested him for COVID when he got in there, so you know what you're dealing with, and then died from everything else, not COVID. Counts as a COVID death. 
in many, 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 many vast majority of states. We should have been able to say, no, that's not a death from COVID. That is a death with COVID. And then we take all the deaths with COVID and move them to the side. It is the deaths from COVID that matter. I will guarantee you that number is less than 200,000. I will guarantee it. I will guarantee you that 90% of every death that we see in that death toll number from the CDC is from something else. Completely. I will guarantee it. But we started from a garbage data input and we've, we're getting garbage data out, which means they're going to constantly have to correct this number. Yep. On that note, Pat, final thoughts for today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And what is a woman? Also, what are we talking about on the afterthought today? Uh, we are going to be talking about... What are we going to be talking Have we decided that yet? No, we haven't. We've got a number of, uh, a number of topics at play here. Um, a number of really important topics that we might want to get to. Um, so you're just going to have to tune in to find out. Again, go to criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe. Enter the promo code new era for one free full month. Um, this offer will expire at the end of this month. Um, so take advantage of it now. $2 a month, $20 a year after that free month. I don't think that's a lot to ask in return. So become a critical thinker today. Get the afterthought. And on that note, please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.